It's a pleasure to welcome you here. My name is Captain Eric, and on this week's episode, we are covering some Nickelodeon anniversaries that have taken place in between the times of February 19th to February 25th. And no, your eyes are not deceiving you if you happen to be watching this on YouTube or Spotify. We have no video this week, unfortunately, beyond the fact that I lost both of my days off uh, this week that I normally have for some unforeseen circumstances but on top of that I went to go record and my video camera just wouldn't work for for whatever reason and I tried messing around with it and before I lost any of the good Nickelodeon vibes within me I decided forget it the audio part is still working so it is what it is Luckily this week, we are also a bit on the lighter end for anniversaries, although there is one that I'm sure you wouldn't see coming a mile away, and I'm happy to celebrate it. It'll also be the subject for this week's top five, so stay tuned for that. But this week, we are starting back all the way in 1994, 29 years ago on February 19th, 1994, we had the final episode of Welcome Freshman, the show created by Robert Mittenthal. Yes, we just covered this on last week's episode. The show ran for three seasons of 49 episodes. The surprise for this week, as it was a surprise for me, and I hope it's a surprise for you, 28 years ago, on February 25th, 1995, Nickelodeon Movies was founded as a movie studio. I don't think I ever really covered Nickelodeon movies. I don't remember if if it ever has come up through these uh, anniversary episodes over the last two years of, of almost covering Nickelodeon. But here we are, 28 years ago, Nickelodeon movies was founded. And since then, and moving forward, Nickelodeon movies is still a ongoing movie studio. And it seemingly is still running successfully. I just would love to see more Nicktoons have feature films in the future. You know, they can be made very cheaply, but I, I think you can still make some sort of profit. Imagine if Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie, Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus, if that was released on the big screen. There are enough fans of those properties that would be willing to pay the $10 premium who haven't seen those characters in a long time, especially for something like Invader Zim to play out on the big screen. Come on now. $10 million, $15 million to make an Invader Zim movie, $20 million tops? You could easily make that back. Hey Arnold, I know it had a rough start, but it's all in the promotion. You just have to figure out that promotional part. That was the, the Achilles heel of that first movie. But even through its blemishes, Nickelodeon movies has had plenty of hits under its belt. Alongside a small handful of films that you would not expect 
to be under the Nickelodeon movies brand, one of them being one of my favorite movies of all time, in fact, and we'll get into that later on. But I'm sure that most of you listening to this podcast has seen at least a few theatrically released Nickelodeon movies, and you probably have a favorite. So if you are watching this on YouTube or have the desire to let me know what your favorite Nickelodeon movie is, then head over to youtube.com slash at the Captain Eric, find this episode, and let me know in the comments below what your favorite theatrically released Nickelodeon movie is. Ta-da! 20 years ago, on February 23rd, 2003, the TV movie Maniac McGee aired on Nickelodeon. Directed by director Bob Clark, who is known for such classics as Black Christmas, Porky's, and you would not get this after following those two, A Christmas Story. That's right, the movie that airs on TBS for 24 hours every year on Christmas time. It's a tradition for me in my household, but who would have thought that the man behind A Christmas Story was also behind Black Christmas and Porky's? And also, today's anniversary item, Maniac McGee, which is based on the book by Jerry Spinelli. It's a book that I have read, although it was forced on me by by school. I'm not sure what grade, what teacher. I think it might have been middle school or, or late elementary school. But either way, it was a book that I read. I remember enjoying it, and I remember the movie itself being fairly close to the book at least from what I remembered of the book, and I enjoyed the movie. I have not watched the movie since it was on Nickelodeon, so I have no current idea as to what my taste would be in the movie, or even in the book for that matter. So I'm going by some some old recommendations, but the recommendations that I remember are based on the age that I would say is around someone who would enjoy Maniac McGee. So I'm going to say... I was probably on the money for that one. 18 years ago, possibly the greatest tale that Nickelodeon has ever put to screen first premiered on February 21st, 2005, Avatar The Last Airbender. Created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Koyetsko, the show ran for three seasons of 61 episodes, and to this day... The legend of Avatar The Last Airbender lives on. Having three seasons under its belt does not mean that it couldn't go on for a fourth season. It wasn't that popular. Oh no, it's the contrary. Avatar The Last Airbender had a solid beginning, a solid middle, and a solid end to its story. An end that was set at the beginning. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Okay, okay, you possibly already know the story. Most of you out there listening to this probably know the story. And if not, coming from my mouth is not as good as just watching the show itself. And being that it's only 61 episodes, it is a breeze to get through. It is one of the most bingeable Nickelodeon shows I can throw your way. So, without further ado, just watch yourself, Avatar The Last Airbender. If you need that extra little push off the cliff, here's the Cliff Notes version 
of The Last Airbender, not the film by M. Night Shyamalan. Goodness, no. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender starts out with two members of the Northern Water Tribe discovering a young boy inside of an iceberg. Once rescued from this iceberg, we find out that he is the last of his tribe known as the Airbenders. The Airbenders were wiped out by the Fire Nation who have pretty much taken over the world. And at the start of this story, it is told that the leader of the Fire Nation, the Fire Lord, will have this ultimate power in the future, this one moment in time that is coming up, and the entire fate of the world rests on the shoulders of this young boy, this airbender, the last airbender in the world, who also happens to be the Avatar, the one being through every generation who is able to control all of the elements in the world, whereas some other benders who can control elements such as water, fire, earth, and air, they can only control one of those items. If you're born within that part of the world and you have those traits, I I forgot how it, it passes on from person to person, but either way, Aang is not only the last airbender in the world, but he is the Avatar, and he has a mission. He has a date in the future, and he has a very short amount of time to master all four elements and also kill this guy where Aang is very much a pacifist. So that already adds an entirely new wrinkle onto this already difficult task. The Avatar universe is continually expanding even to this day. Once the story of The Last Airbender was over, the story of a future Avatar was told through the series The Legend of Korra before Paramount themselves decided the Avatar universe was bigger than even Nickelodeon themselves. Establishing only a few years ago Avatar Studios where the directors, the original creators of the show, were placed in charge of future projects, both for streaming services and theatrical release. One of these confirmed films will be about Aang. Because I have to imagine, and a bit of spoilers here, so if you want to skip maybe 30 seconds ahead, I'll quickly get this out. I have to imagine that once the Avatar has taken out the Fire Lord and everyone in the world finds out it's a young boy, there has to be some other evil beings to try to step up and take over and try to take on Aang. So there's bound to be a few awesome battles in his lifetime that we get to see. Anyway, I'm just excited that the original creators get to continue working and inspiring others because the Avatar universe has, of course, inspired so many artists and content creators out there who just absolutely rock. No pun intended, although one of my favorite characters in the show is The Boulder, voiced by wrestling legend Mick Foley, clearly inspired by one of his adversaries, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who I think... It doesn't matter what you think! (laughs) I cannot say enough good things about the show, the animation, the character development... It was, for its time, so different for Nickelodeon. And when it first was starting to come out, there was a lot more snickering at the idea of a Nickelodeon-inspired anime. But I will tell you, by 
the show's end, by that third season, all eyes were on this show. The naysayers, by that point, have been quieted, have started watching the show, and become fans themselves. And I'm telling you this as a fact, because I was one of those people. When this was first announced, when it, when it was first shown off anywhere, I scoffed at the idea of a Nickelodeon anime anything. I thought it shouldn't be done. It was so different than what I would expect for Nickelodeon. But through that, through that thought process, and eventually, as the show was going on, I had to remind myself that being different, being unique, was a part of Nickelodeon's history, was a part of their branding, was a part of why I love the Nicktoons so much. So just because it happened to be inspired by other art styles out there in the world shouldn't have been a reason that I had scoffed at it initially. So they won me over very quickly in the show's run. But I do know a few others around me that kept their their stance away from the show, but by the third season and by that finale were right on board. And then even people who have rediscovered it years later through streaming services. So if to this day you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor. Dive right on into Avatar The Last Airbender. Do it. 13 years ago, on February 21st, 2010, Schoolgirls the Movie premiered on Nickelodeon. The film was directed by Nick Cannon. And following that, another Nickelodeon TV movie premiered five years ago. On February 19th, 2018, the TV movie Blurt, starring Jace Norman and Jojo Siwa. Five years ago, on February 19th, 2018, Night Squad premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Sean Cunningham and Mark Dworkin, the show ran for two seasons of 29 episodes. And finally, this week, two years ago, on February 25th, 2021, The Substitute finished its run on Nickelodeon. The prank show ran for two seasons of 24 episodes. The entire concept of the show was to take celebrities, well-known singers, actors, and even wrestlers, to put them in a ton of makeup and to put them into situations involving a group of kids and to fool the kids into thinking that they would have some wacky substitute on their hands and then, ta-da, psych, your substitute teacher was Sean White or Gabriel Iglesias or... The anniversaries may be over, but now it is time for Captain Eric's Top 5 of the Week. And this week, I'm going to give you my Top 5 Nickelodeon movies. In order, I went through the entire list, and I just picked out the five instantly that I would want to pick out. If we were to have a movie marathon, these would be the movies I would pick, and in this order. Number 5 is the classic Good Burger. You're a dude, he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes. Hey, directed by Brian Robbins, the movie was released on July 25th, 1997, starring Kenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell. This was a perfect Nickelodeon movie to make. 
of course, one of the biggest shows in Nickelodeon's history is All That, which, of course, any adult could look at and say, well, that's seemingly a kid version of Saturday Night Live. Well, one of SNL's biggest tropes for a time in the 90s was taking a popular sketch and adapting it to the big screen with some hits, some misses, but the hits were noticeable. They were big, massive comedy hits. And with all that, and especially Good Burger being as popular as it was, it made sense. And to me, it worked out. I may be a little biased, but I think the film has stuck the test of time to the point that apparently... There's a Good Burger 2 on the way, and you may think, ah, there's no reason for a Good Burger 2, but genuinely, I would love to know what a guy like Ed is still doing decades later at a fast food restaurant. And if you know anything about the character, then you know from bell to bell, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, Ed is all about Good Burger, even to the point that his dreams are about Good Burger. He loves that place. He's still working there according to the reboot. So I'm all about a film, again, involving those characters. I want to see how Dexter involves into another story. Is he still at the restaurant, or does he get roped back into it? Does Mondo Burger have some sort of ploy? I saw some sort of patty out there in the world that was being made in some restaurant, and it was thick, and it just looked like a Mondo Burger patty. Ridiculously big. Way, way too big for a burger. You wouldn't want to eat a burger like that with your hands. You'd have to pull out the fork and knife at that point. I know that Sinbad was all about the burgers at Mondo Burger, but they were getting too big by the end there. Anyway, I'm excited about anything involving Good Burger 2. If I could somehow get a cameo as an extra, just stuffing my face at Good Burger. If you need a new line cook at Good Burger, I'll, I'll keep off the, uh, the gym. I'll hit some of the fast food places around the area. I'll hit back some of the pounds. I can get into shape if you need me to, if you know what I'm saying. I'll petition a, a role for uh, Captain Eric to be in Good Burger too, in some regard. I'll be uh, Otis. I'll just I'll be the cranky old guy who just wants to sweep the place at night. I'll drive the car. I'll do whatever. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, number five was Good Burger. Number four, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, directed by John A. Davis, first premiered on December 21st, 2001, and was the first time that Nickelodeon went with this idea of debuting a character in the theaters before later on involving him in his own TV series. And that helped propel Jimmy Neutron into an entirely new level of popularity that is still felt to this day. Jimmy Neutron is a property that I feel like didn't have enough time to really truly showcase what it had. I mean, it had time to have incredible TV movies, crossovers, three seasons of a show, but another big 
project involving Jimmy Neutron in theaters on Paramount Plus, something something big that can be promoted. Because I still think there is a lot of popularity and support for this show that Nickelodeon doesn't know of because other than the recently released complete series, which really, you know, DVDs aren't really heavily promoted, there isn't much for them to gauge the popularity on. Look at Disney, the biggest entertainment company in the world, just recently finding out about how popular their show Owl House is on social media and YouTube and whatnot. Oblivious to that for years, and then you find out through news sites that they're they're realizing this. So you can see even how late to the party someone like Disney can be with a show that's on the air. So Jimmy Neutron is one of those shows that if they announced just a solid return of the series, hey, we're just picking up a new season. It's not a reboot. We're not reimagining the show. We're just returning to Retroville and continuing the adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. It's one of those revivals I think would have the goodwill of most people. Like the recently announced King of the Hill reboot. I think most people were uh, fine with that. Number three, Rango. Directed by Gore Verbinski. The movie released on March 4th, 2011. It's one of my favorite animated films of all time. It's one of the most uniquely produced animated films of all time. And the fact that all of the actors on a soundstage portrayed their characters and acted as if they were their characters, not wearing animal costumes, but wearing the clothes they were wearing, and recording all of that audio, which then was being animated over. A very unique process, and if you haven't seen Rango, I can't recommend it enough. Number two, a bit of a swerve here in the Nickelodeon movies department, not a movie you would possibly notice under their branding, but it is in fact a Nickelodeon movie, and it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Nacho! Nacho Libre. Directed by Jared Hess, it premiered on June 16th, 2006, starring the irreplaceable Jack Black in an unforgettable role as a orphan raised in a monastery with a love of professional wrestling. You can feel it. I love this movie. I'm a fan of professional wrestling, but let me tell you, even if you hate it, I think you can sit down and still enjoy this film because they don't treat wrestling in a way that makes you challenge your intelligence. I think they treat wrestling as respectful as it as it can be in a line where you can understand why it's popular and still get along with everything going on in the story. Everybody in the movie is is wonderful. It's one of those movies that I, I feel like I have to watch every single year. I, I used to have a, a pen, a talking Nacho Libre pen that would quote the film around the time of the release I was in high school. And there was a substitute teacher in this math class And every time I would press the pen, 
this this guy would turn around from the board thinking that somebody had a phone and I knew I was in the clear and nobody would rat me out at that point I was uh I was pretty at least well established with the room that nobody was going to point and and say it was him but this guy was convinced somebody had their phone out playing stuff and then I would press the pen and then there would be Jack Black Chancho I need to borrow some sweats and then he would turn around hey Who's got their phone out? I can hear the phone. Go back to the board and then I'd press the pen again. I was wondering if you'd like to come to my room for tonight for some toast. And he would turn around and yell, incredible. One of my favorite moments in in high school. That was early on too. I wasn't like a senior still pulling that off. I think it was freshman year or sophomore. But it was a very early year in high school that I... I just would want to trigger people like that. And it's not like this guy was uh, was getting ribbed on every single day or whatnot. I think we had him for maybe two or three days at that point. But it's not like we gave this guy that hard of a time that he was wound up that much. But the idea that, that phones were being used in class was a big trigger for him. So he would literally march around the room and look at everybody's hands and in their desks and their in their pockets and whatnot. Not like physically look in their pockets, but see if anything was hanging out like a phone. Because he was just dead on serious that this was a phone. And I think everybody in the room kind of knew at that point how how funny the situation was. That we all knew it was a pen. But the fact that this guy was just dead set that it was a cell phone. I apologize if that man is out there and, and that triggers him. You can email me at nickelodeonhistory at gmail.com. I'm going to get possibly fake emails from people like, oh, yeah, this is the substitute teacher. I've been waiting for this moment. Don't even don't even at me. My number one Nickelodeon movie of all time is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I know. Shocker. It's one of my favorite movies. General top five. I love this animated movie more than 99.9% of Disney movies. The few Disney movies that you could possibly put this up to me in contention with are like Toy Story, Aladdin, The Lion King, and you can tell what era of Disney I grew up in with those. But this movie is just a fun story. It's, It's funny, for one, and not to say that Aladdin doesn't make me laugh, But Aladdin has moments that, you know, when the genie references Rodney Dangerfield, I'm the one guy, you know, when I was teaching, when I was teaching some after school classes, Aladdin we watched once and a joke like the Rodney Dangerfield one would come up. I can't believe it. I'm losing to a rug. I would be the one person laughing. Whereas showing the kids the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, There's really no jokes other than possibly the appearance of David Hasselhoff like that. But even then, the music and the way that the camera looks, kids still laugh at the idea that this this lifeguard runs over to them. And they still love David Hasselhoff is still a beloved part of that movie generations later. So the movie was directed by the one, the only, the late, the great Steven Hillenburg. And it was released November 14th, 2004, first premiering at the Grauman's Chinese Theater and then releasing 
to the rest of the United States on November 19th, 2004. If you haven't ever watched the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, it's one of those pieces of SpongeBob media that I would say, even if you have never watched SpongeBob, you could dive right into it, pun intended. You don't have to watch any of the show to be able to enjoy this movie. For me, it's a very personal experience. Also, as well, when it was released, I have covered that during the episode itself proper. So, honestly, that'll be another reason for me to just pin in the description of this episode the episode of I'm Ready I did on the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. If you haven't listened to that, definitely go into that if you want to know more of my thoughts of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. But with that, that is going to be everything I have this week for This Week in Nickelodeon History. As mentioned, if you would like to send me any questions, comments, concerns, nickelodeonhistory at gmail.com. If you would like to follow me on social media, at I'm Ready Podcast on Twitter and at SpongeBob Podcast on Instagram. If you would like to support the captain, the best ways you can do so are by subscribing to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at the Captain Eric, or in the podcast description, you can just click on the link, hit the subscribe button, or click on that uh, bell as well, so you can be notified anytime the captain puts something out. If you would also like to go the extra mile to support the captain, you can click on that Redbubble link in the podcast description where you can go to redbubble.com and find a bunch of different Captain Eric logos and pieces of art and more coming soon that you can put on a multitude of different products. Anything you would like supports the captain and anything that comes in from my projects go directly back into all of my projects and I always appreciate anything you guys do. Even if you are listening to this point in this episode, I appreciate your time. So thank you for coming aboard. Think about coming aboard again next week to another episode of This Week in Nickelodeon History. Love you guys. Please be safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again. Thank you. I'm here with my-